The other Bundesliga podcast is back to recap the first four weeks of the Bundesliga season and take a look at how the Austrian clubs are getting on in Europe. Welcome back to the other Bundesliga podcast. The team are finally back at our home in Vienna, Austria, namely the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen in Vienna's 8th district. It is a delight to be back here at a place with such good food and drink. Oh, had the fish and chips last night to die for. I wasn't the only one to have the fish and chips. I know there's nods of approval from around the room as well. Uh, Lee, didn't you have the bangers and mash? Yeah, it was my, my birthday dinner yesterday and I went for bangers and mash. A nice reminder of home. And it's great to be back here. And today we've been welcomed by the resident living dog, Taco, who's uh, has been very friendly since we got here. So yeah, would highly recommend coming along. Oh, I haven't seen Taco yet since I got here. I've been uh, tucked away around the corner. Uh, anyway, it is a delight to be back here at such a place with great food and drink. And uh, it's also a delight for me, my name's Tom Midler, to be back here, joined by the team for the other Bundesliga podcast. That is Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. Lee, how are you doing? You mentioned your birthday dinner last night. How did you celebrate the big day? Celebrated by playing football in a cage for the first time in about five years, and I'm really, really worse for wear today. Yeah, otherwise good. Looking forward to Salzburg Bronby tomorrow. I'll be heading off to Salzburg uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, it's Monday, the 16th of August, as we speak. So the first leg of their playoff for the Champions League tomorrow. And Simon Clark, of course, the other member of the team. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. It was a, it was a very fun day yesterday uh, playing football. I'm also in a little bit of agony today. And also a little bit sunburn on my shoulders because we were all playing topless, which was a terrible idea for a group of Englishmen in, in the in 34 degree heat here in Vienna. But it was a beautiful day. And uh, yeah, our, our first podcast in a while. It's been such a long time. I, I see you guys so often, but we're not recording these podcasts. So, you know, we've got a lot to catch up on today. We have indeed. We're back. I, I'm sorry that you guys are in agony. I somehow managed to escape the sun with uh, a great deal of Factor 50 sun cream yesterday. Three applications, no less. And, <laughs> and uh, my feet are doing all right just about after the football as well. Um, but enough about our, our English victory by the lake. What a win that was. Fantastic stuff. Um, we're actually here instead to talk about all things Austrian football. And it has been a ceaseless summer break. I say break firmly in uh, inverted commas there. So much great football going on, and then suddenly the season's already underway with European qualifiers, uh, four league games down already. I can't believe that it's gone so quickly. And uh, a few patterns are starting to emerge in the league. Some players are beginning to shine, um, and it's time to look at all of those things. But before we get to that, I'd like to kick things off today by looking at the Austrian teams in Europe, how they've done so far in this young season and what's still to come. So after a very quick jingle, we'll be diving headfirst into how the European qualifiers are looking for the Austrian sides. So to kick off this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast, we'll have a little European roundup. It's going to be a brief one because uh, we've only had a few qualifiers so far. Some teams haven't even started yet. But uh, which team would you like to get started with? Lee, would you want to kick us off with Salzburg? Or Simon, have you got somebody else to kick us off with? You know, I think we should kick off with, uh, with, with the only team to be eliminated so far. And that's Austria-Vienna. They lost to the Icelandic side FK Breiderblick. 
I had the pleasure of being there at the Generali Arena for the first leg, a 1-1 draw in front of around 6,000 fans. But then they lost the second leg 2-1. So uh, once again, the team that finished fifth, well, the team that takes the last place for the Bundesliga in Europe fails in Europe at the first hurdle. And uh, yeah, it doesn't really help the coefficient too much. It was uh, missed opportunities, but fair play to, to Breiderblick. They played great football and uh, they were deserving of the win. And annoyingly for us, Aberdeen were waiting in the next round, which would have been a great, great fixture for Austria-Vienna. But, you know, they're out <laughs> at the first hurdle. Yeah, we'll have more on the coefficient later, but uh, it definitely does shoot a hole in the, the Austrian foot, as it were, of the coefficient when your fifth team just, uh, yeah, fall out in the first round like that. Disappointing. Uh, a team who we're desperate to, uh, to go far in Europe this season, of course, is Red Bull Salzburg, or FC Salzburg, as we should call them, given that it's the European Roundup section of the podcast. Uh, Lee, take a look forward for us to the Brondby game, which is coming up. Well, first, I'm just going to briefly look back because they've organised two of these marquee friendlies, which they like to do in the summer to sort of prepare them for their upcoming European campaign. Uh, last season, they had some, some narrow defeats. I think Chelsea and Real Madrid... This season, they've had Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. Simon and I went for a nice day trip down to Salzburg uh, a couple of weeks ago. Had the nicest schnitzel of my life, actually, so just thought I'd throw that in there. But yeah, they were, um, they were really, really good in that Barcelona game. I mean, you do have to put it into, into context and uh, you know, accept the fact that Barcelona are sort of three weeks behind in their preparations. They're not at the same level as, as Salzburg in terms of fitness, but, but nonetheless, the... I thought that they really held their own and they were worthy of that win, which came really late on in the game. And a shout out to um, Sucic as well for an incredible long range strike in that game to, to put Salzburg 1 0 up. Um, the Red Bulls are now going to be in the Champions League playoff round for the second season in a row. They've got the Danish champions, Bronby. The first leg at home is tomorrow. And I, I'm quite confident. Um, it seems that, that some Danish fans we've been uh, following and listening to on Twitter are, are really underconfident about their team's chances. They've lost a lot of players. Uh, so hopefully Salzburg can, can get into the Champions League for the third season in a row now. Yes, and we would be massively looking forward to uh, another Champions League group stage draw if Salzburg can make their way past Bronby. Um, another team yet to start their European adventures this season from Austria, Sturm Graz. It's been a decent start in the league, and now they're up against Mura. Mura have made their way through to, uh, to have the honour of facing Sturm Graz. A nice tie for us, given that they're not too far away. Uh, does anybody know anything about Mura, given that Sturm don't have any, uh, any European games this season that we can talk about yet? Well, I know it's one of, one of the, the shortest European distances that Sturm Graz can travel. From, from, from Graz to Mura, it's only about 100 kilometers away. So a great, uh, a great away trip there for, for Sturm Graz. But um, they're, they're an impressive team that they won the Slovenian uh, Parva Liga uh, last season, their first ever league title. If you follow our sister podcast, The Sweeper Pod, you'll know all about Mura and their wonderful success last season. They were in the Champions League. They got eliminated, eliminated by the Bulgarian champions, Ludogorets, another team we'd hear about on the Superpod. <laughs> and, uh, and then they dropped down into the Europa League and they beat Zalgiris from Lithuania. And now they will face uh, Sturm Graz in the playoff round. Of course, if Sturm Graz lose that game, they are assured uh, a group stage spot in the UEFA Europa Conference League. So uh, Sturm Graz, whatever happens against Mura, are assured group stage football. Yeah, that's three teams that will definitely be in some kind of group stage uh, participation for next, well, for the rest of this season. So that's nice, you know, guaranteed group stage football in Austria, always enjoyable for us. Plenty of chances for us to go to some uh, random matchups. But 
that's uh, interesting to me that Moura were beaten by Ludogorets because, you know, we've seen Ludogorets a few times in, in recent seasons, uh, played against Lask last season with a couple of cracking games. And, yeah, I, I, I thought Ludogorets were perhaps not as good as, as they were made out to be. So if, uh, if Moura have lost to Ludogorets, maybe that, that fills me with a little bit of hope. Or I'm definitely not one to count my chickens, so uh, don't come back and, uh, and quote me on that because I, I'm, I'm more of a pessimist, I suppose. And Sturm Graz in Europe makes me think of like the Austria-Vienna level of failure. And I remember, you know, uh, Becherwurf, the Becher scandal from a couple of seasons ago where uh, that, that fan in that pink shirt stood up and lobbed his can of beer, his... Uh, his, his um, cup of beer I suppose and his mug of beer anyway uh, which hit the linesman on the head and you know hit a linesman down with a head cut open as, as Sturmgratz exited Europe tamely at the, at the qualifying hurdles as well. In the intervening years I've been trying to work out the physics of that and how the beer stayed in the plastic cup for the like 20 meter trajectory of the th- of the throw how did that happen a marvel of physics but nonetheless that the fact that half of his beer was left in there gave that cup a proper it gave it gave it a hefty weight behind it so it took out the linesman um and obviously was a, a real sort of scandal and a real black mark on Sturm's european well very very sort, sort of pathetic european campaign of a couple of seasons ago it's a very different Sturmgratz now as we'll talk about in the bundesliga section i'm sure but um, yes, very much hoping that Sturm can, uh, can move away from, from the <laughs> those dark days of the European Becherwurf scandal and make some new European history this season. Uh, we've got Lask left and we've got Rapid left. Rapid have already uh, had a few uh, interesting qualifiers. They started in the Champions League where they played against Sparta Prague. Uh, they were knocked out eventually over two legs against Sparta despite some, uh, some positives. And then they played against Anathorsis Famagusta in Cyprus. And uh, yet again, it was uh, ups and downs in that game, but they did squeeze through in the end. So they'll be up against Zoria Luhansk of Ukraine in the Europa League playoff round. Um, and if they lose that, they do have the fallback of Conference League group stages. But, uh, yeah, what have you made of, of Rapid in Europe so far? Um, so I was lucky to attend the game against Sparta Prague, the first game uh, with fans. Well, there was the game against Vina Victoria in the Cup, but the first massive game, there was uh, 20,000 fans at the Allianz Stadion. <laughs> like an unbelievable atmosphere. And Rapid came from, um, from one goal down to, to win 2-1. And the second leg was a case of, of missed chances and that they could have easily have gone through the Champions League. Um, but it, it was just, yeah, missed chances. And I feel like the club can <laughs> would have looked back at that game and thought, well, what a missed opportunity that was because it really felt like uh, one to me. The, the, and the Famagusta, uh, the first leg, a, a solid 3-0 win, could have been more. Uh, but then a defeat in Cyprus, which is not great for the coefficient. Tom's shaking his head. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the game against Azoria Luhansk, this is a team who have uh, a plenty of European experience. So um, yeah, t- tough game, but hopefully Rapi can get through. And even if they lose, again, that they are assured of a conference league group stage football. Having tracked Rapid in the Europa League group stages last season, you know, they're in that group with Mulder, Dundalk and Arsenal. And I really felt that they struggled in that. And I feel like they're, we'll talk about it a bit, of course, later, but they're not doing as well domestically either. So I feel like they would be better suited to a place in the Conference League if they could get there. Maybe they would have a, a better chance of going through and, and that would obviously be better for them. I think they prefer uh, you know, to stay in the competition over the winter rather than another group stage exit. So potentially a benefit of Conference League there. I would expect Zoria Luhansk would be the favourites in the tie, to be fair, in the Europa League uh, playoff. So it might be that uh, Rapids don't have the choice and that they'll have to make do with Conference League anyway. But um, we'll talk about this later on in the season, I've no doubt, during the group stages. But in the financial sense, the Europa League and the Conference League 
group stages, they're very, very similar in terms of prize money and, uh, and also in terms of sort of coefficient, uh, coefficient points and things. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Rapid did drop into that and then, like you say, maybe win their group, pick up more victories in the group stage, uh, go on a longer run. You know, I can, I can definitely see the positives of that. Um, but you don't know what you're going to get. So it's anybody's game against Zori Luhansk, but I have a feeling that'll be a tough one for Rapid. And the last team is Lask. They've only played one tie so far, and that was against Vojvodina of, uh, of Serbia from Novi Sad. And uh, they went away to Serbia and scored an impressive 1-0 win. Uh, Michal with a goal that gave them a little edge. And then in the return leg, which was played in Klagenfurt, uh, something which is uh, slightly annoying for us because Klagenfurt is A, bloody miles away and uh, much further away from Vienna than, uh, than Lask or, or even Pasching is. So it's, uh, <laughs> it makes it a much, a much longer trip for us to get there. Um, and it's, you know, it's a cavernous stadium. So playing group stage games in December, if they do get to the group stages, it's going to be quite a challenge for, for everyone <laughs> involved in Lask. I wish they were playing at St. Pulton instead. And everyone, including Simon as well, because, of course, we know that this is the, the stadium where the press box has ice on the, on the press desks and, and Simon doesn't cope too well with it. So it's a personal tragedy for him, too. Yeah, I don't have any comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> no comment from Simon. It is Baltic down there in Klagenfurt. Nevertheless, uh, Lask did a great job in the return leg. They blew their early leads. A uh, bit of a defensive mistake from Yanis uh, Letar, the new defender. Um, just let a bouncing ball go past him and then... Vojvodina uh, had equalised, uh, drew the tie up at 1-1, and I thought, oh, it might be a, a long and difficult night for Lask, but boy, it was not one of those, because Lask ended up winning 6-1 on the night and 7-1 on aggregate, and they looked absolutely fantastic, something, uh, a kind of goal-scoring form that they've not shown in the league yet so far at all, and um, Karamoko looked great, you know, injured pretty much all of last season, came back in and banged in a few goals. It was just really nice to see this sort of free-flowing Lask football, and honestly, they won 6-1. And I, th I think almost all of the goals were, were very impressive in their own way. It was, uh, it was either individual skill from the strikers or, um, or just a really nice passing combination. I think Goiginger got the, the third one on the night and it was a beautiful passing move and uh, just tucked away at the end. And quite a few times there were players where you think, you know, we've, we've watched them and thought, uh, if only their, their sort of end product and their finishing was a bit better, then Lask would be able to get results like this a bit more often. And hey, they managed it. It's funny you mention that because I have a few things uh, later about them in the league, which completely are against that. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a, a, an Alsnama file, I suppose, or you know, an exceptional game for Lask. But in the end, you know, it's put them through into the playoff. And after we were denied a tie against Aberdeen with Austria Vienna, we did get the Scottish tie, which is actually quite funny because I spoke to somebody from Scotland who was very disappointed about not uh, getting to see Aberdeen. And I said, just you wait, uh, Lask will get somebody like St Johnston or something like that. I bet that'll happen. Lo and behold, Lask end up getting St. Johnston. You know, who, who'd have thought it? So uh, we do have our Scottish tie. St. Johnston, two times cup winner last season in Scotland. Uh, what a run for them. They, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Galatasaray as well, which would have been an incredible result for St. Johnston if they'd have beaten them. But, I mean, they went about as close as you can, you can go. So uh, they're going to be no pushovers, are they? No, for, for sure not. Um, th this is a team that I think all of us can say that, you know, St. Johnston last season, it was just fantastic. Uh, this team without much of a, a trophy-winning history at all, then let's go and win two cups in the same season. And yeah, and, and now Lasker playing them, uh, it'll be a tough tie. Uh, don't get me wrong, like St. Johnston pushed Galatasaray all the way. They, they got a 1-1 draw away in Istanbul, which is like a, a, just a fantastic result. So uh, this is not going to be uh, an easy tie on paper for Lask. But uh, I think they might edge it just due to the more European experience over the last few years. 
Um, but it'll be, it'll be a tough tie, and St. Johnston will be well up for it because you know, a chance of getting into a European group stage for St. Johnston would be an incredible achievement. So, yeah, going to be a tough game. Well, if last beat uh, Sporting away in Portugal last year at a similar stage, you'd hope that they can beat St. Johnston this time around for a place in the Conference League instead. Um, without going too much into detail with players or anything, we'll save that for the Bundesliga review. Um, what are your thoughts in general then about the Austrian teams, the start to life in Europe this season? We've talked about three teams guaranteed getting into group stage contention, but if now, um, you know, if everybody failed and, and ended up, you know, Rapid lost, ended up in the Conference League, maybe Sturm uh, lose and end up in the Conference League or whatever, would that be seen as a disappointment? Or, or you know, could, could these teams use that as a, a springboard to do really well? And would that then sort of turn the season around? Or are we saying, you know, if last get knocked out as well and then suddenly it's three teams, what, what would make a success already at this early point of the season? Are you, are you looking for four teams in group stage contention? Or, or you know, fewer teams, but maybe up at a higher level? Obviously, we want to see as many as possible, but if it's three, if it's three, if it's four, it's four. Uh, what I'm more interested to see is if some of these teams, uh, perhaps, you know, by dint of having the Conference League there, can put together a longer run. You know, the likes of Sturm Graz, you could see them going quite far in the, in the Conference League, perhaps with the, you know, slightly weaker opposition in that competition. So for me, it's more about seeing that they can put runs together and, you know, more than, you know, last season I was a bit disappointed that Lask and Rapid didn't make it through the group stages and, and this season it would be nice to see them put together a run in the Conference League. But of course, uh, both Rapid and Lask last season finished third in their groups. If that happened this time in the Europa League, you get dropped down into the Conference League. So, you know, there's, there's also more chances there for if, uh, if Sturm Graz and Rapid get into the Europa League. But um, I think last season we were, it was the first time Austria had four teams in the groups and it was just a fantastic time. Obviously there's another competition now. I feel like four, because the Conference League is there for countries like Austria, for, for countries of, of, of our level. So why not four? If it's not, I'll be disappointed because I feel like uh, if Lask lose, it'll be a disappointment. So yeah, I'm going for four. We need four. Okay, then. So this season will be the first chance for us to test out what the Conference League does for Austrian football. We had a lot of people asking us, you know, is this going to be great for Austria? Uh, the truth is we didn't really know. But if it does mean that you come to listen to the other Bundesliga podcast in the new year and there's still, uh, you know, three, perhaps three entrants from Austria still involved in European competition, then I guess it, it definitely will have had a positive impact. So we can look forward with hope to these ties. Some make or break games coming up this week. Salzburg versus Bromby definitely the biggest one in terms of you know being in the Champions League but uh, lower down I won't talk too much about the coefficient yet I know I'm the sort of the the resident coefficient uh, lover here on the podcast but I'll wait till after the ties are done but I can just say it's poised very nicely and Austria could do to come away with some good results that's why I was so disappointed when uh, Rapid Vienna conceded that late goal to lose against uh, Famagusta because it wasn't really deserved but also it's just um, yeah it just costs Austria and the fact that Rapid have now got Zoria of Ukraine who are one of the direct coefficient rivals of Austria and Lask have got St. Johnson of Scotland, another direct rival, that, uh, that makes a lot to play for. It uh, gives these ties a bit of extra. I know the teams probably don't worry about it too much, but it would be uh, extra nice, you know, it's extra important, perhaps even if the ties won in the first leg or something like that, or even if the ties lost in the first leg, it would be good to see some, uh, some Austrian sides getting some wins over 90 minutes. That'll do for our European roundup on this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. After a little bit of music, we'll be back for a chat about the Austrian Bundesliga and the first four match days in the league.
Well then, the season is four games old already. Uh, some teams have had very disappointing starts. Some teams have got off to a flyer. Uh, several teams who've not won a game yet and uh, a couple of teams who are unbeaten as well. So I think it's three teams without a win and two teams unbeaten after four games. So uh, a little bit weird. Uh, I guess one of those sides is unbeaten and without a win. So that's very weird. But uh, Salzburg are top, VRT are bottom. The teams in Vienna are struggling. Sturm are looking really, really strong. Who wants to kick us off? Uh, I'll give you a, a free pick of, of whichever team you want to kick off with. Lee, you're, you're making eyes at me. I'm going to give it to Lee here. Who do you want to get us started with today? I am going to start in a conventional place. That place is the top of the table, and that is, of course, Red Bull Salzburg. Um, I said to you guys on WhatsApp a few months ago, or maybe even less, uh, new coach, some new players, younger and younger every year. Could this be the year where somebody other than Salzburg wins the league? And if the first few weeks of the season have told me anything, it's that the emphatic answer is no. I, I firmly believe, having seen Salzburg come flying out of the blocks like this, that they will be very, very difficult to stop indeed. They are, as you say, Tom, top uh, four wins from four games, goal difference of 10 already. And they top the league in almost every statistical category as well. They have the most accurate uh, passes per match, 411, the highest average possession, 70%. Fewest goals conceded per match, 0.5. Um, possession wins in the final third. I think this is a real, something that really defines the Salzburg style of play and shows that Jaisler is, is continuing in the same vein. 44 times they've won possession back in the final third in those four games as well. So they really are just, just cleaning up in every respect and being driven forward by the likes of, of Karim Adeyemi and, and you know, Rasmus Christensen, who has had a flying start to the season as well. So very, very impressed by them. Yeah, I'm going to throw in a uh, question from Twitter here at this early stage because uh, Petros Harizaklis, the Greek analyst of the uh, Austrian Bundesliga, he was asking us about um, Sturm Graz and their ability to perhaps live with uh, Salzburg, perhaps challenge them a, a bit this season. And, and, you know, hearing you talk about Salzburg, of course, they've come absolutely flying out of the blocks. You're, you're totally right to mention that. It's been quite a, uh, an ominous start to the season for all the other teams in the Bundesliga. But what about Sturm Graz? Clearly the second best team in the league at the moment. I mean, after four games, I think Salzburg have 12 points, Sturm Graz have nine points and have lost only one game on match day one to Salzburg, none, nonetheless. And, you know, they didn't do too badly in that game either. So what about Sturm Graz? I mean, we'll come back to Salzburg. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more things to mention. But as Lee says, you know, they're, they're pretty much stats leaders in everything. So, so what about Sturm and, and what's the potential for Sturm to, to go long this season and, and, and put some pressure on Salzburg? Well, I had the pleasure of watching the match yesterday. Uh, they, they, they played against uh, Asklene, 1-3-1. Uh, two two counter-attack goals near the end of the game uh, sealed it for them. And I was really impressed. Uh, it was the first game since the start of the season that I watched the opening game against Salzburg, which was another cracking game. And Christian Ilzer is the perfect manager for, for this Sturm Graz team. It's almost, I can't imagine a more perfect manager in a perfect team situation. And they've invested well over the summer. Like, uh, well, Calvin Ebrook came last January, but you have uh, Manpreet Sakaria, who's just about getting to the starting lineup now. He came on late against Lask and scored two goals. He looks electrifying on the counter. And th this is a team that <laughs> I think they're only going to get better. Uh, they, they have a s solid defense, a very good midfield. They, they have Jakob Jansha with, uh, with four assists in one game, one of the f uh, which was just uh, an insane uh, thing to happen. And... Yeah, they look really good. They pushed Salzburg all the way on the opening match day. And you have to imagine later on in the season, they might push them even further. Last season, they beat them twice. I don't see why they can't here. Um, and yeah, I, 
I would have said Rapid Vienna would have been Salzburg's main title contender, but as, as it stands, uh, Sturm Graz are by far the second most impressive team in the, in the league. Just to touch back on Sturm Graz there before we move on to Rapid, I find it really interesting that their, their defensive strength was like their main thing last season. You know, they went on that long run without conceding a goal. And this season, they haven't kept a clean sheet in their four games, and it just seems to be chance creation that is winning them games. Um, they've had the most shots on target per match of any team, 6.8, um, and they just look in really dangerous form every time they go forward. So, you know, I think if they could shore things up at the back a little bit, I don't see why they couldn't rival Salzburg. The key, as we know, to rivaling Salzburg and challenging them properly is consistency. There's a lot of good teams in the Austrian Bundesliga, but they don't have the same consistency. So that is going to be, I, I think, the, the thing that you'll need to properly uh, get involved in the title race this term. Yeah, statement win, though, getting the victory against Lask on match day four. Sturm, you know, they've quietly gone about putting together a decent squad. You mentioned some of those players uh, who are looking good and uh, they're going to be exciting to watch this season, as you say, off, off the basis of uh, a pretty solid goalkeeper and a very good defence. So I'm excited to see what they can do. But uh, yeah, I like Lee's point there about, you know, it's going to be whether they trip up against the smaller teams, really. Um, elsewhere around the league, Vienna. I suppose we've got to come to Vienna because both of the teams, uh, Rapid and Austria, are struggling massively at the start of the season. Austria-Vienna yet to win in four games with just two draws to their name and two defeats. Rapid-Vienna, already two defeats, uh, two shocks as well. Lost to Hartberg on the opening day, lost to Altac on match day four, um, despite dominating. So what has gone wrong in, uh, in Vienna? That's a question from Paul Hogan in, in general. You know, let's, let's keep that for, to both, both clubs. We can look at the, the, the teams in detail. But where are these Viennese troubles coming from? And, and what can the two different teams do to, to sort of change it around a bit? I'll start with the purple side of Vienna. Looking at the results, they have not lost any of their games by more than one goal. They have all been close games. And for large parts of their game against Salzburg, I was actually very impressed by the way they played. I thought they were really solid. Um, obviously, it's not easy for them. They had a new coach and a new sporting director coming in this summer. A lot of change. And as Sai alluded to earlier, you know, they signed players, uh, they lost players rather, uh, to other rival clubs like Christoph Monschein to Lask, Manfred Sakaria, a big, big blow uh, going to Sturm Graz as well. So they've got a lot to cope with. And let's not forget, it was only a few months ago that we were wondering, would they actually be in the league? They had their, their license application refused the first time around. So they've got a lot of challenges um, and they, they will have a struggle on their hands this season. But from the performances so far, I wouldn't write them off just yet. Any chance that they'll be fighting for the top six, do you think? Or, or is it going to be another season of bottom six struggles for Austria-Vienna? Well, I mean, we're only four games in and the table's so tight. From, from fourth until twelfth, there's only four points separating it. So, you know, it's early days. Um, but Austria-Vienna, there are two points. I mean, I mean who knows? I, I, can't, I can't judge because it's too early. And generally, in, in the back half of the regular season, Austria-Vienna do start putting together some wins. And they always put a, like, a little bit of a challenge up. But, yeah, it might be too early at the moment. I can't say, Tom, <laughs> which is great punditry on my part. <laughs> Let's not forget that in all three of the previous seasons since we've had the split in the league, there has been a Vienna club in the bottom six. So who will it be this season? Maybe both. And what about Rapid Vienna then? What can Rapid do? You know, two defeats already. 
Um, some very up and down results in Europe. Let's not forget, you know, they beat Sparta Prague over 90 minutes, uh, lost in the tie, um, and then one comfortable win against Famagusta, and then one defeat away in Cyprus. And they've shown a similar kind of, you don't know what you're going to get from Rapid in the league. You know, most of their stats uh, in the positive sense are coming from a heavy defeat, uh, a heavy defeat of VRT, you know, a big win against VRT. But other than that, they've, uh, they've not really looked great in the start of the season either. No, two kind of shock losses uh, in the league. The Altac one on match day four, they lost 2-1 to Altac. And as well, earlier on, on the opening day, they lost 2-0 at home to Hartberg. And I was having a look uh, at some of the footage earlier and thinking, these goals they're conceding, where are they coming from? But they're coming from everywhere. They really struggle with offensive high pressing. They're making mistakes at the back. They're giving away penalties as well. The, the, the penalty that Knassmuller gave away in that Altac game was just really, really stupid. He's just got his hand right up there. It's... It's the most blatant handball. And in this new new era of VAR in the Austrian Bundesliga, those won't be missed. So they're, they're conceding goals from, from a variety of situations. And up front, they're struggling because they are incredibly over-reliant on Taxi Funtas. They've scored, I think, five goals this season. Funtas has four of them. Marco Grew with the other. So, you know, they've got problems at, at both ends of the pitch. And they've lost Yusuf Demir as well. Yeah, nice to mention uh, Yusuf Demir there. I actually got lucky enough to see him when he played uh, and scored his first goal for Barcelona against Stuttgart. I was commentating over in Stuttgart. And uh, wow, he has settled in so well at Barcelona. He was on the bench for their La Liga start as well. So suggestions that he was only going to play for Barcelona B this season appear to be rubbished already. You know, he's uh, been entrusted um, with, with some, you know, importance by by Ronald Koeman and, uh, and yeah what a massive loss you know he's away on loan from Rapid at Barcelona which it just seems stranger the more you say it but um, he is a big loss Marco Grill's come in I've been very impressed with Marco Grill I have to say so I think you're probably right there Lee to identify that it's sort of lapses of concentration in the defense that are, are costing Rapid and I think my answer to the question from Paul Hogan, you know, in terms of what can Rapid do to improve, would be corner kicks. They, they seem to be at sixes and sevens every time a corner kick is taken. They, they've conceded a few times from corners already this season. That's something that plagued them a lot last season. And then even when they haven't conceded this year, every time a corner's come in, there's like, I think Altac could have scored twice more from corners, maybe three times more from corners. Altac got a little bit lucky in the end to win the game. I think Rapid probably would have deserved the win on match day four. But Altac could have scored twice from corners as well. And, and Rapid just don't seem to be able to fix these defensive problems when it comes to set pieces. And, you know, we saw it last season. It was going to cost them at some point, And it's costing them now at the start of this season. And, you know, just mentally, that opener, fans back in the stadium kicking off at home, runners up in the league, looking to have a, a great season and then getting beaten 2-0, you know, a tame home opener against Hartberg. It sort of just got them set off on the wrong foot and they've never really recovered in terms of positives. Yeah, like I said, Gruel uh, started very well. I think he runs forward on the ball brilliantly. You can see why he was so good at, at Reed in recent years and I think he's converted that form very, very well to Rapid, whether that's in the Bundesliga or in Europe. So that's a, a bright spot for them. But... Erchen Kara, you know, Kara's been very quiet this season and Kara and Funtas, you know, Funtas didn't turn up so much at the start of last season and Kara yeah. carried, yeah, 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 literally actually, yeah. And then Kara carried that side for a long time, but Kara's not really been able to pull his weight so far and uh, Kitagawa, it's just nothing will go for Koya Kitagawa in, in the Austrian Bundesliga. Even against Altak, he had two great chances, a, d a double chance in injury time to level the game up and rescue something. And, you know, he didn't even do that much wrong. It just, it just will not fall for him. It's like something does not want him to succeed at, uh, you know, at Rapid Vienna. So, 
those are just uh, a number of the things that are costing Rapid this season. VAR has cost them on several occasions as well, which knowing that, you know, the anger of coach Didi Kubau, that's probably not making the dressing room atmosphere any better. But if Knaz Milner, who's played well, Araze, who's played well, uh, uh, Schick has played well, Grill has played well, the offensive midfield is looking great, but they've got to get the other things in place to, to push up the table. You mentioned him at the end there, but uh, but I think Didi Kubauer, he's now in, in his uh, fourth season, am I correct? He's been there since 2018. Do, do you think it might be a case that like he just he's been there too long now? Maybe his the ways the way he works. He's a very pragmatic man, isn't he? Maybe we're seeing this at the start. It's a very inconsistent start to the season. The funny thing is, I, I covered the game uh, against uh, Lask. You can read all of our uh, match reports on Lask's official website where we, we do uh, coverage of the top games for them. And uh, they were really impressive in that game. I thought they played really well. They took the lead very early, and they could have had two or three. Last came back. Alex, Alex Smith scored equaliser late. Real high-quality matchup between those two. But, you know, then they lose to Altac and lose to Hartberg, and it's like, you know, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, there has to come a judgment day for, for Kubar at some point, but I do find it difficult to judge coaches during the pandemic. You know, they've rapid with the highest attendances on average in the league. They've, they've really struggled financially throughout this pandemic and lost some key players. It is almost, uh, you know, in a way, a thankless task to be, to be managing a club with such high expectations, but dealing with such difficult financial circumstances. So, yeah, uh, I feel like this season has been a bit of a regression so far, but he has been working in, in a difficult situation. Yeah, disappointing for me as well to see Ritzmeier. Ritzmeier was a player who I really enjoyed watching last season at Rapid, and he's been uh, loaned out to a uh, second division side in Germany, which is unfortunate. But um, if we talk about looking across the league, you know, there's more teams to cover later on. I'm sure we'll, we'll mention more clubs here, but what are the players, you know, which are the players that have impressed you the most early on? You know, we've mentioned Sturm, we've mentioned Salzburg, but you can go back and, and pick out players individually. You know, I, I picked out quite a few from Rapid there who I think have been good, but... What about elsewhere in the league? Who's who stood out to you so far after four games? Well, we mentioned the obvious ones. Karim Adeyemi, he's now the, the, the main man in Salzburg. Rasmus Christensen signed a new contract. He looks a man reborn. He looks fantastic. He's one of their main attacking outlets from, from fullback, which is uh, you know, a very um, interesting thing to have. And uh, yeah, again, I mentioned Kelvin Yeboah. He really impressed me uh, yesterday. Very impressive. Manpreet Sakaria, uh, and then, then a couple of players who uh, might not be as, as well-known as Sasha Horvat of uh, Hartberg and Leonardo Lukasiewicz of Admiral, who's quietly become one of the most creative players in the league. He's a very young talent, and uh, he, lo he looks very good. Although his, his, uh, his statistics may have been padded a little bit in that game against Austria Klagenfurt, where he got two men sent off. So let's not go crazy, but he's a young talent, and we, we like seeing young talents uh, progress very well in Austria. So, yeah, Lee, who are yours? I would say... Uh, my standout player is Rasmus Christensen. Like he's, he's won the ball back eight times in the opposition third so far in these four games. And for a fullback, that is, that is mental. That is, he's so attacking. And I think he does get caught out a little bit in the Champions League when the level's higher and he has to defend more. You do see that. But, but in the league, he, he has been electric so far. And I also like Benjamin Chesko. Um, who is Adeyemi's strike partner. I haven't really seen that much of him before. He's an 18-year-old um, Slovenian forward, and he was kind of labelled a little bit in the media before this season as the sort of the tall and muscly guy to Adeyemi's sort of small and diminutive stature. But he's much more than that, I think. He's, he's fast, he's a good finisher, he reads the game very well, and he does, he does compliment Adeyemi. So um, I'm looking forward to see Benjamin Chesko's development more and more. 
yeah, seriously impressive how those guys have bedded into uh, you know sort of the mantle that's been laid down for them. They, they've uh, the <laughs> Nico Mantle, the cocky, okay, the, the gauntlet that's been laid down to them, whatever it is, whichever whichever cliche you use, you know, they have they've picked up the slack, whatever. <laughs> I try to think of as many as I can, but th they really have bedded in incredibly well this season at Salzburg. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, a bit ominous for other teams. I like that you picked out Sasha Horvat, Simon, because Hartberg have been good. I think Hartberg have done very well. I thought they would really struggle without uh, coach Marcus Schopp, who I think many people, myself included, credited for sort of dragging that Hartberg side to, to great heights over the last couple of years. But without him, they've started off pretty well. It's been very up and down, as Hartberg tend to be. But I think underneath it all, they play very good football. Whether the results come or not, they tend to play really nice football. And I think, you know, for a football club, that, that philosophy actually in the long term works out better and, and they haven't like abandoned their principles suddenly for this season. But uh, Horvat is now, he compliments uh, Tobias Kainz at Hartberg in that they've, both, they've got two players who both have a brilliant shot from outside the box. So that makes him really, uh, really quite nice to watch as well. Um, you don't know whether they're going to counter and then they can always pass it forward. Tadic is always there in the box and, and he started well, Tadic, this season. He's on uh, three goals already. Um, after four games. But uh, yeah, Horvat already on three as well from two great shots from outside the box. And just uh, just on Horvat there as well, like he is the best dribbler in the league at the moment. He's he's accomplished four and a half dribbles per game. And you know you think of Adeyemi as probably being the strongest ball-carrying player in the league. He's on three dribbles per game. So it shows you how much Horvat really does like to run with the ball as well. One to watch there, definitely. I just want to move on to Reed, who are sitting, uh, sitting pretty after four games. And... I thought they'd really struggle once Marco Grill left, but um, nice to talk about some of the players who've done well. I think the final ones for me would be Stefan Nutz, who now has four assists for this season. A very, very impressive record, given that sort of the main attacking outlet, the main striker for Reed has gone. Um, but Nutz has still been uh, putting chances on a plate for, for his teammates. And Ante Bajic combined brilliantly with Grill last season and still looks very, very good this season. Ante Bajic can burst forward on or off the ball and create a lot of danger. And uh, I think he's still really one to watch. And credit to Reed, they've won their two home games and they even got beaten 7-1 by Salzburg on match day two and just put it behind them immediately and won their next game. And, you know, they've picked up four points from their next two games. So I think you've got to say uh, Andreas Hiraf and, uh, and Reed have started off the season brilliantly. It's, it's very Austrian Bundesliga to have a team in third place on a minus four goal difference. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, just going back to Hartberg, it's funny because Hartberg had the same points uh, and the same goal difference as Rapid Vienna. Yeah, we're like, Hartberg, oh, great. <laughs> Rapid, ah, oh, not so great. It's, it's funny how like, you know, the level of the team changes that. Speaking of a team who's like, directly at the same points as uh, Rapid and Hartberg, you have VSK Tirol, who have four consecutive draws. Now, how long can this last? <laughs> how long do you think VSK can keep drawing? Because if they draw all 32 games, they'll be relegated, surely. <laughs> so they need to start picking up some points here. But yeah, well, what an interesting team. Obviously, they, a couple of their, their big stars from last season have, have uh, left the club, but they st they've got a creditable draw against Lask. Um, Credits are drugs Austria Vienna as well. They, they, they're picking up some decent results. But yeah, how do you think VSK will, uh, will continue into this season? It's like Ted Lasso, isn't it, where they get eight draws in a row. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, sorry, I stole it from Lee there. Yeah, Ted Lasso, eight draws in a row. VSK on four currently. I don't know what to make of that. Like, what do you do? It's, it's not really good, is it? But then they're still getting goals. You know, they've got their, their in Vrioni, they've got their replacement for Nikolai Baden-Fredriksen on loan. And, and he started the season pretty well. So I think probably, as you said there, just with Hartberg, it's almost perception-based as well. Not, it's not just um, results-based. And, and on perception terms... 
I think you have to be pretty impressed with VSK, the fact that they're unbeaten after four. And, you know, if you can just, it's where it goes from now, isn't it? It doesn't say much on its own, but if they can turn that around and, and convert that into a couple of wins, then they're sorted. If you look, I mean, it's, it's, they've been the, the polar opposite of Altac this season, who I don't think have been very good particularly. But in two games, they've just grabbed their chances and they've came, come away with two wins. And that's obviously left them on six points, two wins, two defeats. They're in a, a better place than, than VSK. Probably haven't been as good as VSK, though. So <laughs> it's, you know, you've got to go for the win. Are you advocating for a return to the two points per win era, Tom? I'm definitely not. But, you know, these, these early wins cost, you know, they, they, they are worth a little bit less anyway because you've got the, the split. I want to move on to, to which players perhaps have, have disappointed. Has anybody let you down? Oh, I've, got some, I've got hands in the air ready to take this one. So who, yeah, who's, who's not shone in the first four games? In my eyes, Salzburg have a goalkeeping problem. They have sold Chichan Stankovic to, to Greece, to AEK Athens, and they've got two players who are kind of vying for that position now, Nico Mantle and Philip Kern. Mantle really hasn't impressed me, to do my Shania Twain phrase again, it really has not impressed me much uh, since I've seen him this season. Uh, they look a little bit more settled in goal since Kern's been there, but even he was very lucky in the Admira game that he, he basically spilled the ball and there was a, a bit of a classic overprotection of the goalkeeper and uh, the goal that Admira scored as a result was disallowed. So I really don't think either of those options convinced me. And it really stands out in contrast to the rest of the team, which really does convince me. So I think that is going to be a problem for Salzburg. Yeah, perhaps especially when you magnify that, you know, if they do get into the Champions League group stages again, um, could, could be something that costs them. Although, you know, Cisan Stankovic was somebody who cost Salzburg arguably on, on several occasions in the Champions League last season too. So perhaps uh, some room for improvement there at Salzburg. And for me, a team you haven't discussed yet is... Uh, ask, obviously I mentioned them for the, for the third time now in terms of games I've seen. But yeah, they're attack is incredibly underperforming. So I'd classify the whole of last attack as uh, definitely an underperforming uh, a player, if I can do that. Um, they have the third highest XG in the league and the second lowest goal scored, which kind of, uh, you know, it's early doors, of course. And in, in Europe, they're scoring qu quite freely. But um, yeah, they've missed uh, 12 big chances, which is uh, actually way more than anyone else. So you have to feel like, you know, they, they need a man up top who's scoring the goals and Karamoko, he, he's, got, he's got one this season so far and he, uh, Schmidt also has one um, but you know they need a true out and out goal scorer otherwise you know this might be the, the, their story of the season of, of making chances and not, uh, not, uh, not finishing them the two players I'm going to mention now haven't necessarily consistently disappointed so far, but they have been responsible for two of the biggest gaffes, I would say, uh, in this Bundesliga season. The first one is Philipp Sturm, who had genuinely an open goal on the, uh, the opening day against Rapid and managed to put it wide somehow. That was a, a truly dreadful miss. Uh, but perhaps even worse than that was Wolfsburg's Manuel Cutting in goal, um, who uh, came out to try and kick the ball uh, calamitously misjudged the bounce and, and let Jakob Jancic in to score a goal uh, in a, a quite heavy defeat in, in that game. So both of those players have, have produced some, some truly awful moments uh, of football so far. And then, uh, um, well, yeah, let's mention it now because uh, I want to talk about Austria Klagenfurt. I think uh, in terms of worst performing, I would say their disciplinary record. <laughs> so this is really remarkable. They're sixth in the league. 
They are the most chaotic team in the entire Austrian Bundesliga. They're the only team to have got a red card, and they've got four of them <laughs> in the opening four games. They're just fantastic. It's like you never know what's going to happen with Austria Klagenfurt. Two of those, two of those came in the same game in the first half against Admira, and it's got obliterated. Admira had 25 chances, <laughs> and Klagenfurt had one, <laughs> which uh, heavily, heavily, heavily skewers uh, all of Admira's uh, stats for the season. But um, yeah, they're just fascinating. P P Peter Packel seems to be almost like a like a like a, like a Jose Mourinho level of uh, of gearing up his players. It's uh, it's hilarious. I almost taught him English once because I was I was teaching English in Vienna, and they told me that there was going to be a football coach coming to take lessons. But I was never given Peter Packel as, as my student, unfortunately. Well, I mean, look at looking at Austria Klangfurt. It's, it's probably for the best, isn't it? Lee? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Austria Klagenfurt, fascinating. Their only win of the season was a, a cracking game against Hartberg, a 4-3. Um, yeah, like, I mean, w what do you make of, uh, of Austria Klagenfurt's uh, re return, kind of return to the Austrian Bundesliga? Just remarkable. Yeah, I mean, they had that, that thriller, that 4-3. You know, uh, Marcus Pink uh, didn't look like he was up to much in the last few seasons, in all fairness, at Sturm, at Admira. Uh, good to see him back in the goals at Klagenfurt. I know he's a local lad, played for, for Kanten as well, FC Kanten back in the day as well as a, as a youth player. And he's not even that old now, but he's uh, back in the goals. It's nice to see. Um, they've only lost once, I believe, in their first four games. So I think you'd have to call it a, uh, a successful return so far. <laughs> they've, they've been very uh, interesting to watch. Their games have been full of drama. But I guess they, they've built themselves a solid little foundation. And as you say, the league is very, very close at the moment, given that um, three quarters of the league have failed to win two games out of their opening four. You know, most teams have only won one or, or none, in fact. So, of course, everything very, very close as it stands there on five points. But, yeah, I, I, think, it's been, I think it's been good. You know, if you give yourself that foundation, just get, it's just about getting some points in the bag, isn't it? If you look at teams over the last few seasons, there's, there's usually been somebody, you know, down in 11th or 12th, teams down there have really, really struggled to get anything on the board and maybe are sort of lagging behind. And uh, it doesn't look like you know, either of them are doing that at the moment. It's, it's VRC and, and Austria who are only on two points and, and really struggling. So I guess Klagenfurt can be pretty, pretty satisfied. They've got things to work on, but not bad at all, I reckon. Um, should we mention VRC quickly? Because what's going on there? No wins. You know, this is a team who are third uh, twice in the last three seasons. Fell off a little bit last season, looked to, to be waning a little bit. And now this season, um, is it crisis time already? You know, they're not in Europe this season. The squad is, uh, is not really doing the job in the Bundesliga. They've suffered a few heavy defeats and they sit bottom of the table. I mean, I'd say that the fixture list hasn't helped them. Uh, on the first match day was a, a local derby at Klagenfurt, which was very keenly felt. Like, uh, I think 15,000 fans there, which is the highest in Austria that weekend. So that's fantastic for, for that. And, yeah, they got a 1-1 draw there. Um, then they lost heavily against Sturmgratz and Rapid, uh, two teams who were in the top four last season, and then a draw against VSK and VSK finished sixth. I mean, is it is it just a case of the picture list being bad, or is it a case of them actually being bad and they're actually in trouble after these like five seasons of them overperforming really for for the level of the club? I think the last part there is the key point. I think there has been a lot of overperforming, and that means that we you know we get these expectations of where they might be and. That's how we work in football, right? We judge teams based on how they've, they've done recently. It's, it's all about expectations. But I'm not entirely convinced by Robin Dutt, the, uh, the manager. Um, he hasn't really stayed anywhere for more than a season since his first job in Freiburg. And over his whole coaching career, he has a win percentage of around 35%. I'm just not sure that in terms of you know, longevity and, and tactical now, he's going to be the man for, for Wolfsburg. 
yeah, disappointing times, but a very good note, I think, about them overperforming. That's sort of why I worry for them this season, because I think, you know, it would be very disappointing, but actually not that surprising if they were uh, down in the bottom six for a change and, uh, and really struggling. So I wonder if they will struggle to, to climb up the table. But if we look at the top six at the moment, in these early days, you know, you've got, you've got Reed up there, you've got Austria Klagenfurt up there, Altaker up there. There's a lot of people who are sort of floating around the upper mid table. Are any of those teams, it, it, do any of those teams stand out to you as somebody who you think, yeah, even after four games, oh, this team, you know, they might be able to stick around in the top six. Do you see that happening for any of those teams? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with Altuck earlier. You know, sometimes they really turn up and sometimes they don't. But Reed, for me, um, you know, observing them since Heroff came in just before the relegation round last season, for the large part of that, that 10 matches, they were, were unbeaten. And they've started this season fairly well as well. I think they've got a bit of a consistent base there. Obviously, they lost Marco Grull, but I think if I had to pick one of those teams, you know, for a bit of longevity in the top six, I, I would go for Reed at the moment. Of course, if Reed get the top six, they'll be in the great other Bundesliga tradition of the team we predict finishing 12th, getting in the top six, because last season we, we said VBS Gator roll, 100% relegation candidates, and uh, they finished sixth. Um, yeah, Reed will make us look silly again, I think, that they look quite good. Um, but, you know, early, early days, Austria Klagenfurt are such a um, liability, <laughs> you, you never know what you're going to get. So who knows? Maybe they could get top six. That'd be interesting. Or maybe Altec have got the perfect recipe because this is what you do. I think what's happened in, in, in all the past few seasons is that somebody who hasn't looked that good have just managed to pick up wins at important times, grab a few wins instead of draws. There you go. You sneak, you know, when you, when you get to like match day 20, 21, 22, a couple of important wins. There you go. You push yourself up from like ninth to sixth and, and you're in. I think that's the way to go. I had a look at the table from last season and if VSK Tyrol do draw all 22 of their matches before the league splits in half, based on last season, they would finish uh, eighth or ninth, which would not be enough for them. So I think, yeah, Altac have got a better chance than VSG based on current results. Just before we wrap things up for this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast, I want to just go through a couple of questions that people on Twitter had for us. At Kadoc, C-A-D-O-C, had a few questions. We've sort of answered some of them already. We talked about Klagenfurt's incredible red card streak, um, but also VAR in the Austrian Bundesliga. It's brand new. We've had four matches of VAR. Um, one thing I can say to link it to that red card streak of Klagenfurt was like the red card this weekend that was given to them from VAR was one of those very curious ones for me where it was a, a studs up challenge in the, by the letter of the law, but it was actually a shot. You know, it's, it's Amanda Gloire, I believe. I don't know how you pronounce the name, but he had a shot. Obviously, the follow through of your shot, your studs are up mm -hmm. and then the studs catch the defender who's trying to block the shot. And so it's a red card. I mean, it was a hefty coming together, but... What, what have you made of VAR? I mean, that incident, but other incidents as well. There's been suspicious things. You mentioned the sort of a soft goalkeeping decision that went Salzburg's way when, when Admira um, could have grabbed a, an injury time leveller. That didn't happen. And then VAR seems to be used for some things and, and not for others. I know um, uh, there was a goal ruled out in the game between Hartberg and Reed this weekend as well, where, you know, I wasn't 100% sure whether it hit hand or not. And it seems like sometimes the VAR is not really clearing everything up, but... What are your thoughts on it? You know, the, the already infamous VAR, which has annoyed a lot of people. Yeah, particularly we're rapid Vienna fans. <laughs> but no, I think it's just, uh, yeah, it's the first four games. It's pretty inconsistent, but I think by, uh, you know, we've had it in England, you know, extensively, a lot of uh, conversation about VAR. And, uh, you know, on the opening match day of this Premier League season, it seems to be, like, you know, it just seems to be a little bit more relaxed and maybe Austria just needs a, a few more game weeks until there's some sort of, like, actual consistency. But 
the funniest thing for me about VAR in Austria is it has a Twitter page, which is just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like <laughs> a Twitter page and a Twitter page that said it was a Facebook site, which is not the, the greatest thing for a VAR thing to have. And they said they will block you if you, uh, if you challenge their decisions. I, I mean, it's fair enough. But yeah, I mean, a VAR having a Twitter page just doesn't sound like the best idea to me. But yeah, I mean, who, who, am I? who am I to say, you know? I'd just point towards the, the opening day when um, Sturm lost 3-1 to Salzburg. But Sturm's opening goal, uh, that was the first ever decisive VAR intervention in Austrian Bundesliga history. And it took over four minutes to make that call. Uh, so obviously this is something that we've talked about for other leagues, us three with the Premier League as well. Um, you know, you need to be making decisions quicker than that. And you'd hope with time that they'd iron that out. But we can't be waiting three or four minutes every time there's a, a game-changing decision. Last one then for the Austrian Bundesliga. Lask and Rapid. We've enjoyed watching them in Europe. We've enjoyed watching them in the Bundesliga. Not uh, particularly shining at the beginning of this season. So my big question would be, Lask and Rapid, are they weaker than last season? And if so, why? I think Lask, yes, bec because of uh, uh, Gernot Trana leaving. Gernot Trana going to Feyenoord is a big blow. He's probably the, the best player in that team in terms of his, his position. So yeah, I, th I think they are weaker, but they've... Uh, brought in a lot of young players. Who, who knows whether those young players throughout the season will become, you know, will, will become a, a good replacement. And even in, in the strikers, they they brought in two, um, two two Asian players, one from South Korea, one one from Japan. I mean, who knows with Lask? Um, Rapid, I think they're pretty much the same level. Uh, it's just an inconsistent start. And if they get that sorted, then then uh, yeah. But I think Lask are definitely weaker than last season. Yeah, you mentioned the, some of the players that last brought in. I, I liked Hong. I didn't uh, include him in my players who've impressed me so far category, but Hong, I think, is looking good for Lask. Um, but we haven't even mentioned that they lost Johannes Eggestein. You know, he was their, their goal-scoring leader for the first half of last season, faded a bit at the end. But it's difficult when your main striker leaves, you know, and Karamoko didn't have any chance to play himself in last season. So let's see where it goes for them. But, uh, yeah, troubling times a little bit at the start of the season for Lask and Rapid. The very last thing would be the question we've got, uh, which is out on a whim a little bit, from Nate Tipton. Club shops. Why do club shops not ship to outside of the EU? I guess we can say we'll work on it. And to bring in my second Ted Lasso reference of this podcast, I was, I was trying to buy a Ted Lasso t-shirt the other day. You can buy Ted Lasso shirts now online. And for some reason, for a TV show which is set in the UK, set in London, you can't get delivery of Ted Lasso t-shirts from the official store to EU or, or the UK or Austria or wherever. So... I was like, what, what's that about? So I know how you feel, mate. I've, I've had it the other way around too, but what can we do? How can we make club shops sell their kits? I mean, how many people in, in the US would buy a Salzburg jersey with Aronson on it? Come on, this is free money. Why is that not available? Our direct messages on Twitter are, are mostly two things. Where can I watch the Austrian Bundesliga in my country? And why can I, get, uh, well, why can I not get a Salzburg shirt shipped to the US? And for the second one, yeah, I feel like, I mean, Vardabola, this big global brand, surely they should sort that, they should sort that out. That's just money on the table waiting for them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, let's mention that with, with uh, Austrian Bundesliga watching it. One football, one football uh, are showing it in like 80 territories, including the UK and Ireland, which is uh, fantastic news for our UK listeners. Yeah, and the Austrian Bundesliga seems to have a lot of, yeah, a lot of viewership and a lot of extra interest. And um, but just one final thing I want to bring up because I feel like they, they deserve a mention on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> FC Copacabana Kalsdorf were the only uh, lower league team to knock out a Bundesliga team in the cup. They, they, they knocked out 
Altac, which I thought was mean. Altac would have been the relegation candidates. But, um, and in the next round, they've drawn Red Bull Salzburg. <laughs> so Red Bull Salzburg versus Copacabana Kalsdorf. Is that not just a beautiful cup tie or not? It's a great name as well. Um, we know that Salzburg win virtually every cup tie they play, so I fear that their cup run may end at this point, but, but nonetheless a great, great achievement. Yeah, nice to have a little bit of Austrian cup in there. Just going back to Nate's question one last time, I think, actually, did you see today, there's rumours now that uh, Zlatko Junuzovic is going to make his way to Red Bull New York. So perhaps what we should do for Nate is put a word in with Zlatko Junuzovic and say, look, can you take an extra suitcase, just take a few Salzburg shirts over, get a few of them to the uh, Red Bull shop in New York, and then at least people can buy them from there. Perhaps that's the best way to do it. There we go. I think that'll conclude uh, the other Bundesliga podcast for this time. It's been really nice to catch up again. It's been uh, brilliant to look back over the action from Europe and the first four Bundesliga weekends. Looking forward to some make-or-break European ties, as I said earlier. Can't wait for those. Um, and we'll be back, hopefully, once that's happened. I'm actually going to, to Tokyo this week for the Paralympics, so very much looking forward to that. Might mean that we do no podcasts for, for a couple of weeks, but uh, hopefully we'll be back once the, um, the teams have been drawn out into their European groups and we'll have loads to look forward to. Or perhaps, finally, Simon and I will get our chance to play, uh, to play presenter and you know, take over temporarily. Maybe we'll do our own pod. And, and that leaves why you don't get to do presenter. <laughs> no, uh, sorry, that's very harsh. That's not true at all. I'd be delighted if you if you stepped in and, and presented the other Bundesliga podcast in my absence. Yeah, Thomas, a great opportunity. You know, commentating on the Paralympics in Tokyo. It's, you know, it's amazing what we started here at the other Bundesliga and has led a little bit kinder to you at the Paralympics, which is pr pretty pretty damn awesome. So congratulations on that, Lee. If you want to do it, I, I mean, I don't mind. I'm going to be on a holiday for ten days as well. Like. Because this summer's been so weird with the Euros, let's not talk about the Euros. But <laughs> we can talk about Austria, but the, the final, let's not talk about that. Um, it's been a crazy summer, and there was only uh, the final was on Sunday. The Austrian Cup started on the following Friday. So our summer break <laughs> was five full days. <laughs> so, you know, it's been a pretty crazy time. So we're, it's, we've been a bit uh, slow on the podcast, but that's because we're just, you know, exhausted from the, from the pandemic and the constant football for the last year and a half. So, yeah. Update, Simon's on holiday too. I'll do a solo podcast. Think we'll get any listeners? <laughs> Just me talking about my favourite Salzburg players for an hour? Definitely. Yeah, we'll do it. As long as you mention Austria Klagenfurt get, getting another red card, <laughs> then that'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, we just hope there's uh, plenty of good action coming up in the next few weeks in the Austrian Bundesliga for Lee to report on solo. Um, thanks for sticking with us whilst we've had a bit of a break from podcasts. As I said earlier, you know, once the group stages get underway, we'll try and get back with more regular updates, uh, league updates, European updates as well. And things are going to start to get really exciting. But uh, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for joining us again today on the other Bundesliga. It has been a pleasure to be here at the Long Hall recording once more. And uh, yeah, we we'll look forward to doing it again as soon as we can. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the Gentleman Creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork. 